0: Turning your Bible to the book of Proverbs, let's go to the book of Wisdom, chapter 3. I want to remind you that the good news is, say it with me, the bad news is wrong. That is the good news, and there's plenty of bad news. Uh, One thing I found out about uh, Brother Lynn is that he, he is a... He's, he's like me in a lot of ways. Do right. I just want everybody to do right. I'm not so mad at what they're doing wrong. I just want them to do right. But the good news is the bad news is wrong. And there's plenty of bad news, but it's wrong. And uh, we are all here this morning. And wherever you're in the word and seeking the Lord, we're finding out we're discovering the mystery that unlocks us from the curse there's a curse galatians talks about the curse of the broken law christ has redeemed us from the curse well it's actually the broken the curse of the broken law and we are all discovering how free we are we're not trying to get free we're discovering how free we already really are jesus has set us free and we're making adjustments Every time we sit before the word or sit in front of somebody that's got Jesus in them, we're, we're looking for an adjustment. Not an overhaul, but an adjustment. adjustment to kind of like get back to manufacturer's specifications. You know, they, they take your computer and they'll say, well, we're going to we're going to set this back to factory specs. And that means all the doodling that you've done with it and tweaking you've done with it is fixing to be erased and it's going back to the beginning and start over. We are preparing for millennial living. We are a people, we are a generation that we are actually preparing. What we're doing is not in vain. We are preparing for millennial living. And no matter what it looks like today, there's a time when hundreds will be listening to each one of you saying teach me the way i must go i've got a thousand years and i must know more and you'll say i know all about it and it'll be wonderful uh we're taking everybody we can with us i'm taking everybody i can with me and i hope that's your cause we're stretching i remember the first prophetic word i ever got in my life i was very young and uh the, the man opened his mouth and he said, the Lord is going to stretch you in some seemingly painful ways. And that has been my life, but it's been a good life. Stretching is good, 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 because actually all you can do with your life is according to your capacity. You cannot do more than what's inside of you to hold. And so what we're all doing is stretching in some seemingly painful ways, but it will pay off. In Proverbs chapter three, let's look in verse 13. It says, happy, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. If you wanna be happy, be in pursuit, be chasing down, be dissatisfied with everything that is not wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth, getteth understanding. For the merchandise, the profit of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold. She wisdom is more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her length of days, length of days, length of days is in her right hand, the favored hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Wisdom is what we're looking for. And the word says in Corinthians that Jesus has been made unto us redemption sanctification and wisdom. So wisdom is in us, but we got to look for it. We got to find it. We got to let it come out because your head, your personality will try to get in front of wisdom and say, I know some things too, but actually we don't know that much until we let wisdom take over in our life. Uh, wisdom extends to your lo- extends to you long life in the right hand, the favored hand, and riches and honor, I think uh, one version says uh, promotion. Promotion, the passion version says, and promotion in the left hand. So wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom. Turn with me to Mark chapter four. Wisdom is the principal thing. We're after wisdom, the wisdom of God. Wisdom from men is everywhere. Everybody wants to tell you, this is what I think. So the more we think that they don't have anything to think, the better off we might be. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, I want to talk about discovering the harvest that's in your seed. Discover the harvest that's in your seed. Everybody has a seed. Even your time is a seed. You can sow it or you can squander it. You can waste it or you can have it multiplied. Time is a seed. Your money is obviously a seed. Your affection is a seed. Uh, I've known people that did not want to give you their affection because they didn't want to approve of your whole life. So if there was anything wrong in your life, they didn't want to give you approval or affection because you would think that the bad thing in your life was okay and not look at it. Well, based on that, you can't give anybody any approval or affection because there's always something glaring, isn't there? We're always working on one thing or another. And so this person had a hard time giving approval because there was always something wrong in my life or somebody else's life. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, don't turn there, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. How many of the just do we have in here? How many of the just do we have in here? We are. So the wealth of the sinner, the wealth of the the unrighteous is laid up, is positioned for you. God has a plan. God has a plan. But we're going to find out that he's not so much concerned about you and I knowing about the harvest as he is about us knowing about the seed. He gives seed to the sower. So here in Mark chapter four, let's look in verse 24. We've been here several times, but let's take it a little step further. And he said unto them, the Lord Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed, pay attention, put priority on, focus on what you hear. Do not let something that is able to be uh, dismissive and uh, inert be a part of your life. Take heed what you hear. They always say that when you meet someone, you should take heed to their name. And I've never very well learned that, but it's very key that if you can turn somebody back and say, well, thank you, Mark, or thank you, John, for what you just told me or whatever, they are impacted by you remembering their name. So we should take heed of what we hear. Um, I like to send things to people, especially children, that has their name on it because everybody likes to get something with their name on it. And so I'll put on their ice cream card, I'll, I'll put all sorts of s- s- uh, things, especially to, to I'll, I'll say the Queen Bee. I, I've got a friend out in Texas and I sent her a Christmas uh, birthday card the other day. And I said, uh, uh, Brenda, the Queen Bee. Take heed what you hear and take heed what you say so others can hear. He said, take heed what you hear. Why? Because with what measure you meet or give out, it shall be measured to you. Now, there is an axiom that cannot be denied. Take heed what you hear. For it shall be measured to you. And then he described that and unto you that hear more shall be given. Now I want to remind you that the gravity is pretty, a pretty sure measure of things that are stable and unchanging. But you can go up in certain aircraft and, and then they go up high and then they dive and you can actually suspend gravity. But actually any airplane that takes off Gravity's not suspended but it's superseded. The law of lift and the law of thrust will take over and you'll actually come up off the ground and be up in the air. Even though gravity's working, it'll be superseded by the law of lift. You can go to the moon and you can, you know, I can jump. If I jump high, I can get 4 or 5 inches up there. Really, I can. But if you go to the moon, I, I, I'd, be a, I'd be a ping pong ball. I, you'd, you'd go six feet or whatever up there. So gravity is not even the most stable thing. Uh, we know that even the rising of the sun and the going down of the same is not the most stable because in the Bible it records that the Lord turned the sun back 15 degrees. And so it wasn't even the most stable thing. But when you come to the word here about seed time and harvest, we're talking about something that never, ever changes Never is suspended. Never is altered. It is the it is the truth, and it'll always be. And we put a lot of weight on other people and other things, but the word of God is sure. So he said, "Take heed what you hear, for with what measure you measure to you, it'll be what measure that you meet, it'll be measured back to you." So I have a say in that. I have a say in the future of my life, don't I? You do. Well, God's in control. No, he's not, because he said if you'll, if you'll measure wisdom to, into you and understanding, that it'll be measured back to you, and you'll walk in that measure, whatever measure it is. If you don't want to pay attention to wisdom or understanding, then you'll be a dummy. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say this to people, uh, uh, he said to Debbie one time, don't be a dummy. She, she wasn't receiving he was laying hands on her. I mean, Brother Hagin, the Brother Hagin laid hands on her. And he looked at her and said, don't be a dummy. And she knew that meant quit, quit rejecting or thinking or reasoning and all that. Well, don't be a dummy. To all of us. Listen to understand. And the understanding you hear will be measured back to you. And it says, and unto you that understand shall more be given. So powerful. Just one little verse. So powerful. Change your life if you take heed to that very thing. Uh, Let's see if I wrote that in another translation. No, I did not. So let's go to verse 25. For, so that means I said all the verse 24 to say all the verse 25. For he that hath, he that hath. To him shall be given. Well, if you're like me, I like stuff to be given. I'm in the business of stuff being given, aren't you? Hey, I don't have it all, so I've got to have something given. He said, well, how is it going to be given? Well, Lord, I'm listening. He said, he that hath. That's how you get it to come to you. He that hath. Well, what does that mean? Well, it, it means that he that holds fast. I wrote it down in my Bible. He that owns and possesses. He who adheres, he who involves the whole being, he that hath. So it's anything that you make a pillar or a post or a foundation in your life. That's how you're going to have your life given back to you. It's not based on somebody else. It's based on me. It's based on you. Why is your life the way it is? Well, God doesn't like me this much or my parents left me or my husband left me or or whatever people say that is the reason. But it's never the reason. It's he that hath to him more shall be given. And uh, then he went on, he said, and to, to top it off, he that hath not. He that's been taken away. He that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Boy, that's pretty stark. That's pretty Dramatic. That's pretty black and white, up and down, left and right. That's pretty dimensional to say he that hath, it's going to be good. And he that hath not, he has no hope. We all like to live somewhere in the middle. You know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. You never can tell how it's going to be. But he said it's, it's absolutely measurable, quantifiable, We know exactly why what's happened in our life happens in our life because I hath not or I hath. So it's a possessive word. The word hath there is possessive. And it means that you've you've laid hold of it in such a way that it can't be taken away. Very, very dramatic uh, expose of the future of your life. But how many times do we look at that? We're all going on here and this and that and this and that. And he said, no, that's how it that is. Galatians 6 verse 7 in the Phillips says, listen to this. Just listen. Don't be under any illusion. Are y'all listening? Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. Well, how would, why would anybody and how could anybody? There's a way to think that you're mocking God. He said a man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. And how do you mock God? How do you make a fool of God? To say that my life does not depend on what I sow. And yet, and yet, most Christians live in a God-mocking lifestyle. They live their lives as if their harvest depends on something besides what they sowed. So this is back to sun up and sun down and gravity and all that. All that stuff's even as solid as it is is subjective. But he said this is never going to change. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Well, who's in control now? I am. My harvest in life, the end of my life, the days of my life depend entirely on me. Not that I'm doing anything apart from God. He put the system in. He put the system in for us. Well, I don't really like God's system. Well, he had a choice back in the beginning to make it any way he wanted. But once he decided how to make it, he said, I'm going to stick with it so much so I'll write it down. When you write something down, you're subject to review. You said. He said, a man's harvest in life depends entirely upon he sows. That's very sobering. Think about that. That's very sobering. Everything in my life. No, that's not true because I've really done better in my life than it looks like. well, that was somebody's fault and that was because of the government and that was because of my, my payment and they, the government messed this up and my mama didn't give me what she promised and, and na-na-na-na-na, oh no. A man's harvest in life depends entirely upon what he sowed. Anything different than that kind of thinking is attempting to mock God or Philip says to make a fool out of God. Oh my, why is he preaching on that? Hallelujah. Well, it's good news or it's news. Hallelujah. Uh, wisdom then, wisdom we would say here, verse on 25, uh, uh, verse 24, take heed what you hear. So wisdom comes by hearing. Is that right? Understanding comes by hearing. You've got to hear it. If you just think it, it's not necessarily wisdom because we're all subject to flawed thinking And we cannot get outside of our thinking in order to critique our thinking. We're in there with our thinking. And so you notice that most of the movements in America and the world have been representative by people that were in that. You have uh, women were leading the women's movement back in the 1900s. You have uh, uh, gay rights. Guess who's championed most of them? It's those people. You have all the negative and the positive uh, movements have been championed in some way by the people that were affected by it. Well, we ought to be affected by who we are, by the word of God. Wisdom comes from hearing. So if we know wisdom comes from hearing, that wisdom can come from two ways. Uh, Turn with me to James chapter three, please. James chapter three. Hebrews James. Look at what it says in chapter three of James in verse 15. So we're talking about wisdom, but there might be two kinds of wisdom. Um, Let's look in verse. uh, Where could we go? Okay, let's go to verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. So that tells us we could. He said, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, this wisdom, this kind of wisdom descendeth not from above. So there's two kinds of wisdom, isn't there? So the one that's not from above, he describes it. He says it's earthy, earthly, sensual and devilish. One translation says animal for earthly. It's soulish. It's it's contrived. It's a reason, a, re, a rationale, a reasoning out the wisdom of like, I think this, I, I believe that he, But that comes from hearing. Now, you can also get this from a default from not from hearing. If you don't hear wisdom from above, you will develop this kind of wisdom. Is that right? But you get around earthly people, carnal people, natural people. People that put we, we saw the other night, we saw a. A bumper sticker that said uh, "atheist" on the back. We said this wisdom did not come from above. <laughs> and then on the front of the windshield, we, we didn't notice at first. It said "coexist," and you know you know what that means. Just uh, the, any way to heaven will do. So this wisdom did not come from above. But then he goes on in verse uh, sixteen. He says, "For where envying and strife is, there is confusion." And every evil work. So we could say that not only is earthly and demonic and sensual wisdom not good for you, not a good way, that it actually has an activity in it. It's actually proactive and it will work against you. How is that? It's uh, there's confusion and every evil work. So. If you ever look around your life and say, What is this confusion and chaos? What is this disorder that I'm in? Oh, something is going on in the wisdom realm. Are y'all here? So you go, Where'd that come from? Well, it's just because of those people and it's because of that and this situation. No, it's because someone's exerting earthly, demonic, and sensual wisdom into the situation and it's controlling the outcome. What is the outcome? He said, it'll be confusion and every evil work, every evil work. Y'all, we got to stay away from strife. We got we, we got to rise up against strife and say it will not live here. We here in River Church, we we actually take a proactive stance against cliques. I mean, it's not such a, a deal. It's not a deal now. But back in the day, you'd, you'd have a fellowship and you'd have groups of people that always sat together and always, you know, that was their buddies. And so we, we went into leadership meetings and we would say, whatever you do, do not sit with who you always sit with. Break up those cliques and get people where they're having to talk to somebody else because cliques always seem to propagate or regenerate what made them a clique. So you have churches that have... Uh, Life groups or life, whatever they call them, and they tend to click together. You get the motorcyclists over here and you get the knitters over here, but you also get other kinds of people that click together. And when they click together with with earthly wisdom, it's demonic and there's confusion and every evil work and it will grow and it'll be a seed against your life, your family, your whatever you hold dear. We have to stay away from worldly wisdom and it's everywhere and everywhere wisdom can be so it would be on the internet it'd be on websites it'll be with people it'll be your coworkers. you have to guard and not just say I don't agree with that but I'll listen to it it might not be the best plan you reckon hallelujah but in verse 17 and that's where I'm really going with all this other uh, he said but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable Gentle, easy to be entreated. There's there's nobody wanting to debate you. Nobody wanting to take you out because you think the way you think, if they're in the wisdom from above. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what we're after, isn't it? That's where we can thrive. That's where we can grow. So we put that back in to he that hath. More shall be given. And in Matthew uh, uh, 25, I believe, it says it says the same thing. And it says, and he shall have abundance. So it's the path. It's the path. So that means that in the wisdom that we have that's from above, it'll, it'll affect he that hath. Whatever you hath has got to be on the wisdom side of God versus on the other side the natural side so the wealth of the sinner the wealth of the unrighteous that's stored up for the for the righteous for the just how come what they have can't be held is because they're living they're managing it they're accumulating it from the wisdom that's earthly so they can gather it and i'm telling you there's some smart boys and girls out there they can trade those stocks and wheel those deals and, and, uh, and work a scheme and a plot and a plan, and they can get some money together, but they can't hold on to it because they're going to control it with the same thing that has chaos and strife in it, and it's going to break up. So don't ever go into partners with somebody that's not wisdom from above. They may have the best plan and they got a surefire deal and it's this is this is bona fide. This is you can't lose with the stuff we use. But if they don't have wisdom from above, it will fall apart and you will be in the middle of it. Don't marry that boy. Don't marry that girl. That's not wisdom from above because there'll be confusion and strife and every evil work. You want me to talk about something else? Is that? (laughs) So he that hath is going to gain wisdom because the one that hath has got enough wisdom to pursue wisdom. If you have wisdom, you're going to pursue wisdom because that is wisdom. The know-it-alls, they don't hath because they don't have enough wisdom to pursue wisdom. They got their little deal and listen to my plan and look what I think. And here's coexist and here's atheist. I mean, stupid is stupid. And they have no idea. I mean, just just be a dummy and just say, I don't know. But these people got to put bumper stickers on the car. You know, that saying that says it's been it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, that's it's better not to put a bumper sticker on and remove all doubt. (laughs) But they do. So, um, uh, so he that hath, to him more will be given, and he shall have abundance. But he that hath not, even that which he think he has, will be taken away. So I've been meditating on the poor, but not just the poor, just people that you meet, family members, people in your family. I mean, God love them. I mean, we all got the same grandmother, or the same uncle, or whatever. So their family. You can't run from it. You can move from it, but you can't. You know, it's 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 there. You go, well, what is the difference between you and me or if you're seeking wisdom and them? Well, they're not seeking wisdom. And and. Uh, wisdom calls for more wisdom. That's what I should say. When you have wisdom, the wisdom will say, what will it say? We need more wisdom. And so it'll go after more wisdom. That's why you're here this morning here. Instead in the bed at the beach or, you know, nothing against the beach, please. I'm talking about every week at the beach or whatever people do. Their four wheeler or whatever. That's the reason you're here because wisdom, the half of your wisdom has said, we want more wisdom. Revelation, once you get a revelation, once you see Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is heaven. Once you see something that you can own, that you can own, I see it. That's what happened when you started tithing. It wasn't that the tithe became more relevant or the Lord upped it and said, I'm, I'm going to have a, a 9% special. You can tithe for this month only for 9%. It's not because of that. It's that somehow we stepped into it and saw it and we became a... Hath. We hath a revelation. And what does the revelation say? Get more revelation. You go, well, what about these others? Well, they have no revelation. Therefore, they don't have whatever little part they had of revelation. It's left. Same thing with money. Once you prosper by the things of God, once you sow a seed and you can connect that seed to the harvest, Because it's significant. It's not just like life. Well, you know, okay, I got a paycheck this month. I worked 100 hours and I got paid for 100. You're not going to say that's a significant thing. But if you you have an influx, you have something where you can attach your seed to a known harvest, then that's going to be a half. A half and more shall be given. What is that going to say? I want a half more. I want to do it again. Wisdom says, I want to do it again. Revelation says, let's get more of that. Seed time and harvest, once you connect your tithe and your seed to a harvest, you want to do that again. Because a seed, the the definition of a harvest is that it's always a multiplication of the seed. For wheat, if you plant wheat, a kernel of wheat will pretty much produce 60 kernels of wheat. So you get one, you get 60. Corn, it's one to sixteen to eighteen hundred. You know, and all the things that you can multiply that are different, there's different harvests. Well, there's different harvests based on our revelation in our seed. If you sow it in faith or if you're like the widow that sowed her two mites and Jesus said she's got she's got a, a, a corn harvest coming versus a cucumber harvest. Because she sowed all she had. And these rich boys, they just sowed out of the top. They tipped. And he said, it, it, it may have been the same. It wasn't. The rich guys sowed way more. He said, they won't get near as much as what she did. Well, that's who we are. He that hath, to more will be given, and he shall have abundance. Once you touch that with revelation, once you touch that with wisdom, once you connect that, then you become a he who hath, and you want more. Because all of our lives are going to be one way or the other. We, we don't just exit life and just observe it from a nether world. We're in life, so you can either sow or not sow. You can sow a little or not sow a little, or you can sow a bunch and not sow a bunch. Every day and every way, it's a, it's a negotiation until you become a half. He that hath, more shall be given. So it's not necessarily even that you give. You could be separated from your money. Bless God, I'm tithing. Grumbling about it every day. Going home and telling Mama. She says, well, we need this. Well, we'd have it if we hadn't a tithe this morning. You ever heard them grumbly old men? We'd have more, but you just keep throwing it in. And the preacher just keeps driving off and better than us. And so, what do you think, woman? What do you think? Well, so they're tithing, sort of. They're not, but they're separated from their money. How much? 10%. But that doesn't mean they're a half. Because the half has revelation, has wisdom, has a drive or a pursuit inside of them. And one day, that's where you tripped over. If you're a tither this morning, one day you tripped over and said, I got it. I I hath, I hath revelation. I hath insight. I have, I have in me, a change, and I'm gonna work the kingdom instead of working me. And it changed. And then, as you, of course, then then you kept doing it, and then an abundance came. And then you have to negotiate. Well, I tied last Sunday. Where where's my where's my car payment? Where you know you have to negotiate some things that don't always show up exactly like the world would say. You have to say, I got revelation. It's not this week and that week. This is a lifestyle. And I just started, therefore it's just starting. But as I keep going, this thing will start building up. And you start having a revelation about it. And so, what about the poor? Can you help the poor? And my thing is, you cannot. As long as they hath not... Whatever made them poor, is they, even that which they think they have, has already been taken away. Would you all agree with me that, with, with that? It's not that they can't find jobs. It's not that they have to have certain kind of food or cars or whatever. They just can't pull it together. Jesus said take care of the poor anyway. Justice would be you're not good ground. I'm not sowing into you because you 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 buy the wrong food and you stay at the wrong places and you smoke the, the the expensive stuff or whatever. And so we would like to just cut them off. But the Lord says, if you shut up the bowels of your compassion, he'll cut you off. So we have to have we have to take care of the poor. But my expectation wrongly has been I'm going to give to them. They're going to say, this is good. I, I like this. I will listen to what he has to say and I will change. But when you hath not, even that which you have is taken away and they don't get it. They're back the next week with their hand out and saying, or they're not back next week. And I've just been like, what is this? Who, what am I supposed to do about this? Then I found out he who hath not. And so until they, like us and everyone, get a revelation, a wisdom, a hath. They don't see it, so you just help them the best you can. We feed. Now you know I've, I've been in the hotel business and in the in the electric business and all that, and then I realized I, I could help a lot more people just eat and live, so that someday they might be a half and and give them a Bible. We ordered a bunch of Bibles last week because we ran out of Bibles, so we ordered Bibles, so that anybody that comes in at least we can put something in their hand, like the Gideons do. The Gideons put it in every hotel. Not everybody cares, but some of them do. And you hit a few, and they read a chapter, and then they write the Gideons and say, because of your Bible, I this and that, they become a half, and it changes. So it's a it's a matter of numbers, isn't it? I wish everybody I helped said, thank you, Lord, I'm going to get saved, and... What's that Holy Ghost business? And how do, you, how do I have to dress for church? And But it might not happen. But it doesn't matter. We're going we're to minister to them out of compassion. Because all of us, in some degree or way, was a hath not. All of us. Even if you always had money, you could be, spiritually speaking, a hath not. And you didn't have it. So there's the poor... I find people, listen, I find people that are full grown, been in church, know about church, know the Bible, read the Bible, heard the word preached, and they just can't put it together. They major, like we talked about last week, the the 90 of their life is based on 10% of their life. They're so caught up in the things that you and I say, that doesn't matter. Don't focus on that. Don't invest in that. That's crazy. Oh, that's what we want to do. We want to take all of our income tax money and 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 go to Six Flags or go to go. You go, well, what about what about in June? What are we going to do? Well, we'll just you know, we'll just think about that in June. You go, that's not wisdom. Y'all. Are y'all with me here? And you go, that's not wisdom. Even that which they think they have is taken away. So you don't have to be under the bridge to be a hath not. Until you have it, you don't have it. So we just keep loving on people because love never fails. We just keep on pointing to them. We don't condemn them. We don't say you're a dummy. (laughs) Even though we may be thinking that. So we have what we have and do what we do because of what we have. Not because we're American, not because we're educated or that we have none of that. That may that may be what you think started it, but it's all based on he that hath to more will be given. So we got to protect and guard and and build a fence around what we have. We have to keep sharing our 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 lives with like precious faith to guard that. You've got to be careful going into bars and drinking up with all the guys so you think they'll think you're a regular guy and that you can tell them about Jesus. That might not be wisdom. I'm not saying yes or no, but you might ought to say you could lose what you hath and become a hath not, and it's a quick road down. We know that the people that win the lotto, but they're hath nots. But they hath. It seems like they hath. Well, look at all this money he's got. Let's just count the calendar days down, and in three years, they'll be in debt. Why? Because they hath not, and even which they think they have will be taken away. It's a principle that cannot be denied. And now that we know this is the source of my joy, my happiness, my money, my whatever, we know what that is. We'll guard it, and we'll just say, I'm protecting my wisdom. I'm going after wisdom. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to listen to the word. I'm going to I'm going to tune it. I'm going to pursue this because wisdom pursues wisdom, which then pursues wisdom. And suddenly the wealth of the wicked that is stored up for you is transferred from them that hath not, and even that which they hath will be taken away, to them that hath, and they will have an abundance. It's a transaction you go, well, how come it takes so long? Because we are slow to half. But we can pick it up. And I would say, River Church, you have picked it up. And so we're in line. We're in, it's not because of the world and Jesus coming back and all that. It's because of this principle that's in our life. In Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I, don't even, I, I wish I could tell you where Joshua was but I never remember, but it's way back there. It's after Deuteronomy. Yes, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, chapter five. Let's look in there. We don't take you here often, so don't be crying and complaining. So because of this hath and hath not, because of seed time and harvest, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Then wisdom would say, listen, wisdom would say, here's what wisdom would say. If I have a seed and if I plant it, I always without regard have a harvest. Now, you go, well, of course we all know that. Don't make us stupid. Don't don't look at us like we don't know nothing. Well, smart is as smart does. What wisdom is is wisdom does. So sometimes people will say, I don't have a harvest. And they think about and talk about, I need, I need, I need, I'm needy. Well, that's saying I hath not. You never want to get identified with the hath nots because even that which they think they have will be taken away. So what we have to do is what the Lord Jesus did when he said, we got 20,000 people here. Lord, we need to feed them. And he said, what do you have? What do you have? Not what do you not have? And that's what they said. Well, we don't have anything. And as a side note is a little addendum. They said, we just got these little this kid with a little lunch. Jesus said, ah, bring me what you have. What do you have? Bring me what you have. Because if you have a seed, wisdom knows, knows, knows. I have a harvest. They're connected. They cannot be split. They cannot be denied. You you cannot separate a seed from its harvest. You cannot. Well, I don't know about that. It takes a long time. Well, now you can be a dummy and just say, well, because I can't attach this harvest to this seed. Well, I was a farmer for 10 years. My family still all farms. And we know some things about seed time. And we know seed. Right now, my brother told me that seed, that you can actually, the cotton grows up and you you can actually spray the field with Roundup. But he's got a seed that is called Roundup Ready that is immune to Roundup. It's a new development. It's a hybrid thing. It's a thing that they, they worked years getting it together. So you can you can plant your cotton. It comes up and so do the weeds. But then you take your sprayer and go down there and spray the field with something that should kill the cotton. But it doesn't. It kills all the weeds so you don't have to plow. Well, it's called Roundup Ready cotton. But this seed is two hundred dollars for a 50 pound sack. We used to when I was farming, we caught our seed at the cotton gin. We'd put a trailer around there and they were ginning our cotton and we knew what variety it was. And we would catch the seed, take it to the delinter. They would immerse the seed, the cotton seed that had they were called fuzzies. They have cotton lint on them after the ginning process and they would acidize the seed. The fuzzies would be burned off and you sack it up. And so you had a sack of seed that cost eighteen dollars. Well, my brother's paying 200 So you go, well, what about that? Let's, let's plant the cheap seed. Well, we never, made, we never made two bales to the acre. My brother commonly puts 2,000 pounds to the acre of lint. That's four bales. He's, he's in the 2,000 pound club because he pays for $200 seed. And it takes about eight to 10 pounds per acre. I mean, I'm just telling you this to tell you how important the seed is. So he roundups it, he, round, he sprays it two times a year and he's done and makes four bales. And I plowed and plowed and plowed and, you know, and hoed, we had to hoe. He had to hire a crew of hoe ho hands and there'd be 40 of them out there and you'd get on the hill behind, I've done all this, Get on the hill down the road, get your binoculars out. And there'd be little kids in there that, that were pulling their diaper up as they had a hoe. The, you know, and you were paying them whatever an hour, just like somebody. And I just, it, hoeing just drove me up the wall. Because I was paying for it. And then you come to payday and they say, how many did you have? And you knew they only had 30. We have 42. So you had to pay for 42. So it was just a scam the whole way. But my brother just sprays. He just sprays and he's done. Well, the point is, the point is, excuse me for going around the world. The point is, the seed is important. And you can't just be separated from your seed and say, I planted. Because if your seed fell off the back of the pickup on the way to the farm, it didn't matter that you had seed and you went to plant it. If it fell off, you didn't get to plant it. And a lot of people... Their seed falls off their pickup on the way to the church. The, uh, the break job gets it or the tuition gets it or whatever. Joshua chapter 5. I'm so sorry. Here we go. Now all the people, verse 5, verse, uh, verse 6, excuse me. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were not, were consumed. Well, you know the Lord kind of got hot at them because they complained because they they did the 10 the 10 spy thing where they went in and he said don't tell me what the odds are just go in there and tell me how how tall the walls are and and how 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 many men there are and they went in and said this is this is terrible were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that He would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that He would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey, and their children, whom He raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were circ- they, for they were circumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way, and it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people, I think God had been absent. that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, here's what he said. This day, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal this day. This day I have rolled off the reproach. What is he talking about there? He's talking about the curse, the curse. There's, before this, they were walking around 40 years. What happened to their sandals? They didn't wore out their clothes. We were good. Every day, manna came. Every day, manna came. All the time for 40 years, manna came every day, six days a week, doubled up on one day. And so they were totally taken care of. But then they disobeyed God and it was over. And he said, all you boys, we're just going to wait till you die. And we're going to raise up your children. And when the last man died, that was of an army age, he said, this day has the curse been rolled off of you. So what was the curse? The curse was the curse of not enough. The curse of almost enough. The curse of get by. Are you all hearing this? You go, well, they ate every day, but it was the curse of just enough. Every day it came just enough. And you were not allowed to bring more than just enough into your house and say, we're going to have a snack this after, you know, (laughs) we're going to watch the evening news and have us a snack or something. No, there was just enough. And the Lord calls it a curse to have just enough. And Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of just enough. So if a Christian, if a born again believer says, I have just enough, God's blessing me. They're missing it. It's not the way the word works. Exceeding, abundantly above all they could ask, think, imagine, meditate. He said that's the standard. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the broken law, being being made a curse for us. For cursed is every man who hangeth upon a tree. Jesus took it. We've been redeemed from the curse of the broken law. We've been redeemed. So if you act like or if you live like or you accept the curse of just enough or or not quite enough, you're still under the curse. Just because you're not under the bridge, you're under the curse. Are you all with me? So I've been redeemed. To overflow. Say overflow. Overflow. We've been redeemed unto overflow. Overflow. So if you're not in overflow, you're living under the curse that's on the world. It's on the world. Shortage, lack, need. We know in Psalm 23, we know what what does it say there? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the curse of the overflow. I mean, the blessing of the overflow is on us. And that's who we are. Ecclesiastes 9, 13. How do I tell you to get to Ecclesiastes? I think it's east of Proverbs. East being right. Okay. Oh, we're not going to make it today, y'all. Barry's back there with a curse, uh, a card full of scriptures, and I'm on number three. Ecclesiastes nine. Look in verse 13. The wisdom, th- this wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. So he that hath, to more shall be given. There was a little city, and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same Poor man. The, uh, the New Living says, here's a little bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I watch the way our world works. There was a small town with only a few people and a great, a great king came with his army and besieged it. A poor wise man knew how to save the town and so it was rescued. But afterward, no one thought to thank him. Even so, though, wisdom is better than strength. And those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. So the mark of the covenant, listen, the mark of the covenant, the evidence of the covenant, not not did you go to heaven or not? None of that's the mark right now. Nobody can see that you went to heaven just because you're going. The mark of the covenant is wealth, overflow, more than enough. Now, of course you could misuse that. Of course you could be built up and be a haughty landlord and rich and just <laughs> mocking people, but that's not who we are. That's not just because somebody does it wrong doesn't mean I'll do it wrong. So the Lord doesn't keep us from having wealth just because a lot of people have messed up wealth. Oh, the Lord wouldn't give me wealth because he knows what i do with it. Well, uh, wealth magnifies whatever you are. If you're an idiot, wealth will make you a full-blown idiot. You'll, you'll just buy and do what was already in your heart. But if you're a righteous man or a woman, wealth will make you more righteous or more demonstrative. So don't think, well, what, God can't give anybody any wealth because so many people mess it up. Not everybody carnal will, natural will, soulish will, but I won't. And just because there's pastors in this town that have run off with the secretary does not mean that I will. And does not mean that you will. So we gotta get with it. We gotta gotta give God as much as, at least that we wanna give ourselves in the thing. Uh, Prosperity is not our God, but prosperity. Lack and need and little and too late and shortage is not God's way. So he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So he doesn't even ask you to come up with your own seed. Well, we'll have to do without this month because we're all going to sow a big seed. Junior and Nellie Boo, we're we're all not going to eat supper this last week because we're all going to give to God. No, it says he gives seed to the sower. He will put the seed to the sower. Who is the sower? Someone that wants and needs a seed. Lord, I need a seed, but I don't want to have lack and little at my house in order to get one. I will bring the seed to you. What's the key? You'll know how to separate the seed from your bread. your living. You won't say, looky, looky, it's new boat day. I got I got just a minute. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter five. Don't think this won't come back to you next week. Don't think that he didn't finish his through. But this is who we are. This is our life. This is our history. This is our testimony. This isn't something that's that snake oil that we're trying to get everybody to sign up. So they'll give a lot to the church. That's been accused that's been said, the church I grew up in, they had Stewardship Sunday. And in January, everybody knew when Stewardship Sunday was. The preacher was going to talk about tithing and giving. And it was a mausoleum. It was a, it, there wasn't anybody there. Because nobody wanted to hear it. So him that hath not, even that which he has, hath, is taken away. So it was a church of fools. It was good news, but nobody thought it was good news because they attached an evil motive to the pastor and the church. They're just trying to get our money, never dreaming that Lord was just trying to get his money to them. And you've got to get past it. If you can't, then you have wisdom that's sensual, earthy, demonic. And there's chaos in your money. There's chaos in your future. You can't plan anything because you just never know what's going to happen. But I can plan things. Can you? I can plan things. I have more than enough. Faith rests. Faith makes plans. What, what, What do you mean by that? When you're in faith about something, even though it hasn't transacted in the world, you pay no attention to that. I have it. Faith has it. Faith, it's mine. I own it. It's mine. It's real. It's actually actuated. I have it. Therefore, I'm going to the next step as if it was in the bank. Well, how can you do that until it's in the bank? Because I have it. And faith makes plans. If you can't make plans, are you in faith? Well, we're hoping and praying it comes through. No, faith has it. And guess what? When you have it, he who hath, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. When you make plans with your faith, your faith is actuated. It comes to pass. What you're in faith about shows up. Them that are waiting on it to show up, well, we hope it does. We, we pull the trigger. Click. Oh, I got, I got to go on. This is so powerful. This is so wonderful. This is such good news. If he that has ears to hear can hear, this is really good news. Verse 15. So verse 15 of chapter five. And so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed of them of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Make sure I know where I'm going here. Okay, yeah. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man that was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And they, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, there went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. I'd say those were four crazy friends. You ought to get you four crazy friends. I'll be one of them. You need three more f- crazy friends? I, you can count on me. That'll let you down in the midst of the tiling. And it says, and they, when, when he saw their faith, he said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, huh, who is this which speaketh blasphemies who can forgive sins, but God alone. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, here it comes. What reason ye in your hearts? Remember he that hath to him more will be given. Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. So what, what's the difference between that, which is a covenant benefit, healing, than to say, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, rise up and have your bills paid, and have seed to sow. It's the exact same. Now, I'm not trying to play with the word, but he could have said it, and it would be right. So when the Lord says, thy sins be forgiven thee, he's saying, you've been redeemed from the curse of just enough. Of just enough. What's just enough? I mean, if you're under the bridge, just enough might be a can of Vienna sausages and some sardines. That might be just enough. But revelation is progressive. Faith is built. Today's faith is built on yesterday's faith. It's not just like, boom, it came down and suddenly you're you're the way, the truth and life. You have to grow into this. We enlarge our capacities. The man in in Matthew 25, he said, I got to go away to a far country and I got eight talents here. And according to your ability to reproduce those, I'm going to give you five, you two and you one according to their capacity. That's how it is right now. That's how it is in your life. You wonder why you're not further along. If you wonder why you're not further along, it's not based on heaven's plan. It's based on what did you do yesterday that made you have a capacity for more today. Now, I've got a scripture, but I don't have time to go to it. But stay tuned. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. (laughs) Uh, Give it to you. I'll go ahead. They said, okay, I'm going to skip way down. I'm skipping this many notes. And I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just have to get something else for next week. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and your bills be paid, and you have seed to sow and bread to eat? That's how he says it. That's what he's saying to you. Oh, but I sinned. I got messed up. I, 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 I got, I, I messed up when I was little. I got drugs, went to jail. I was pregnant. All sorts of things. My life. God can't forgive what I've done in my life. Oh, not only does he forgive you, he gives you the benefits of the forgiven. It's not like, well, we'll just wipe the slate clean, see what you can do tomorrow. We'll see if you can, if you can do with what you've been given. Oh, he said, nah, let's just pay it up front. God's a big faith God. He gives credit. <laughs> he, he, we're living on the credit, y'all, because he sees it by faith. No no doubt when we are born, he puts our la- names in the Lamb's book of life. And he, he, just, he just assumes we're going to get born again because he's a faith God. Only when you die and go to heaven or die and don't go to heaven or whatever your situation is, the word says he blots it out. But he's in. He's not waiting to see. I hope he makes it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, y'all talk me into this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So the devil can't make up some weird disease from Mars or Pluto and bring it to you. It's got to be something that's on the earth. Are you all with me? Okay. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape to exit it that ye may be able to bear it. So what is that able to bear it? That he makes, what what does it say? Uh, That he will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able. What is that? What's the measure there? Well, it's your capacity. It's who you are. It's who you showed up saying, Lord, I showed up and I can take care of five talents. I can do it. It's kind of like when those Phil, those, uh, Phil Gold people get up and they say, in practice, he made one yesterday for 51 yards, and this one's 55. We, we know his capacity's 51, but we're not sure about today. Well, there he is. He boots it between the two, they win the game, and they carry him off. He's a hero. Now guess what his new capacity is? 55. He's known for his capacity. So when they have a chip shot of 45, they send Bubba in because he's, he's, a, he's well able. But the guy that missed it 31 six times? Y'all know him? No, you don't know him because he's forgotten. He's, he's obliterated. <laughs> you know, we don't send him in for nothing anymore. Here, you hold the water in case they come off the field. And that's what happens to us. Your life is based, your future is based not on what God has planned for you. He's planned the world. He's planned the ultimate. He figured out if you hit every, if you hit every notch, he's got a plan for you. But it's based on what did you do? with what you had. So the seed you have, it doesn't matter how much seed you have, it's what you do with the seed you have. Your capacity. If the Lord whispers, still small voice, he, he does that a lot, y'all know. It's not booming, it's not, you know, a parade. It's not, it, Still small is how he likes to work. Everybody can do it if he, if he walks through the wall and says, I got a $500 plan for you. I need you to find $500 and show it. And Jesus is speaking it and the angels are on either side and it's blazing and you go, "Mama, write the check." We're going to church tomorrow. Anybody can do that. But what if you're just sitting there? And he speaks to you and says, "I want this." Why do you want it, Lord? I want to enlarge your capacity. It's not really. I got I got 1600 people that can meet this need, but I need you to pass this so that you can go to another level that I've got for you. Because what I got for you, you're you're this far away. We need to get it down to this. Do Y'all understand how the kingdom works. That's how you'd work. If you hired someone, you'd see how they did. And that depends on whether you're going to hire them again and what you're going to give them. Everybody knows that it's called resume. We we, they want to know what? You, what can you do? What's your capacity? That's the way it is in the church. What is your capacity? So that's the way the kingdom works. So here we are thinking God's testing me, or He needs five hundred dollars given somewhere. Money is everywhere. The Lord doesn't need your five hundred, but He needs you to give 500 because there's plenty more where that came from. Plenty more. And he wants to know you know that. He wants to know that in a clutch, in a clutch when somebody's life is in the clutch, some event is, needs, he wants to be able to say, I can send Michael Ray because I know if I just whisper one time in a, in a conversational tone, he will hear me and it's done. He's looking for that man. He's looking for that woman. That's what he's looking for instead of someone that has to beat the band and shout and holler and have four signs and the, and the, the fleece is wet or the fleece is dry. or, or he, Those are everywhere. He needs someone that'll say, I'm your man. Just, just mention it, Lord. I'm on go. And so that man, guess what that man, that woman knows? They know that if they have a seed, they have a harvest. They never look at the, har- they never look at the need. They look at the seed. So you look in your checkbook and say I don't want overdrawn, because we're not into the overdraw business. I used to borrow money. When I was farming, I borrowed money to give, because that's the only money I had. My, my, my line of credit was in the farm. So, they said you didn't have $150,000 this year, but you got to live out of that. So, every dollar I gave was a borrowed dollar. But here you just say, I got this much. It's yours, Lord. Just speak the word only, and I will do it. Now, we're not trying to get any money out of you today. We're just trying to say, He's wise, wants more wisdom. So, if this offends you, if it bothers you, it's like, okay. He that hath not, <laughs> you, you won't, if you don't accept wisdom, the word, then just go your way. Someday you'll turn around and say, I wish I'd have done that. But here we are. We're saying, I want to go forward. Do you all want to go forward? Yes. We want to go forward. We want to do it his way. So don't get mad at the messenger. We're just breaking the word open, only the word. And so if that's how he works, I'm going to work with him. Amen. Amen. I've got a scripture in Haggai for you. I've got one in Psalms. I've got one in Luke 13. Stay tuned. (laughs) He's not through with you yet. I don't know. Hallelujah. All right, Barry. That's all.